Good morning. How are you guys doing this morning? All right, so my name is Jordan. I've been coming here for a couple years now, and uh, today's scripture reading is going to be from Romans 13, 1 through 7. Let everyone submit to the governing authorities, since there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are instituted by God. So then, the one who resists the authority is opposing God's command, and those who oppose it will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Do you want to be unafraid of the one in authority? Do what is good, and you will have its approval, for it is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, because it does not carry the sword for no reason. For it is God's servant, an avenger that brings wrath on the one who does wrong. Therefore, you must submit, not only because of wrath, but also because of your conscience. And for this reason, you pay taxes, since the authorities are God's servants, continually attending to these tasks. Pay your obligations to everyone. Taxes <clears throat> taxes to those you owe taxes. Tolls to those you owe tolls. And respect to those who you honor. <laughs> this is God's word. Thank you. paper might have cut off there. <laughs> Short-circuited. We saw it on the board, though. We were good, Jordan. Thank you, sir. The Word of God has a vision for a certain people. Uh, it sees them as pilgrims, sojourners, strangers, Foreigner exiles and refugees in this world. But are they a sad, pitiable group? No. The word of God has a vision for a certain people, and they are a joyful people, a peaceful people, and a loving people who are filled with the greatest hope in spite of their circumstances. And while they live scattered across this great world in the jurisdiction of every kind of government, dictatorship, monarch, and Congress, they swear allegiance to a king who is not of this world, Jesus Christ, and to no other. While they may reside in every nation, they see their fundamental citizenship as belonging to heaven from which they eagerly await their king's return. They are unfettered from fear because they belong to an unshakable kingdom. They are liberated from the need to gather and store up here for they have an inheritance in a kingdom whose builder and maker is God. They are free from the tyrannical slave masters of trend, fad, and fashion. They are not shaped by tastemakers or influencers or TikTok and Instagram. 
but their minds are freed from worldly conformity through the messages they receive from their king as he speaks to them through his word and by his spirit. These people in the Bible's vision are called the church, God's people, us who believe. This is the biblical vision of God's people here on this earth. So how are we doing? How does this vision work itself out in the day-to-day realities of living here as well as living in and under human governmental authorities? And what better week to ask these questions, right? On this week leading up to American Independence Day, which brings us to our text in Romans 13. We will look at Romans 13 and specifically governmental authority under four points. And we're going to begin by looking at governmental authority from Romans 13 under the first point, which is the root of government authority. Romans 13 said, let everyone submit to the governing authorities since there is no authority except from God. And the authorities that exist are instituted by God. So then the one who resists the authority is opposing God's command and those who oppose it will bring judgment on themselves. The question this morning is, where does this authority come from? This authority we are to submit to. And how does one receive it? Well, to these questions, the Bible answers unequivocally, God. God is the source, the root of such authority. Psalms 47, chapter 47, verse 8 says that God reigns over the nations, that God is seated on his holy throne over all thrones. Daniel chapter 4 says that the most high God is ruler over human kingdoms and he gives them to anyone he wants. Why? Well, the easy answer is creator's prerogative, right? God has created everything there is and therefore he rules over all that is, including every kingdom and government. God is the supreme authority over all the universe. No authority exists except with his express permission. And therefore, ultimately, all authorities and powers are answerable to God. They are not only answerable, they're derived from God and therefore answerable to him. Their authority is one of delegated authority. And therefore, it is authority with a purpose defined by the one who gave it, namely God. This is so important when you consider the Christian's response to government and to our response to our government, as well as how do we be that biblical vision for the people of God? How do we be the joyful, peaceful, loving ones regardless of our circumstances? The answer is because God is the supreme authority. And all people, including those in power, are accountable to him. A Christian's ultimate allegiance is to God. 
And so if you are in Christ, then you with me confess the words of Romans 10, 9, which was the earliest of Christian pledges of allegiance. They consider it the earliest of creeds and the short one too, three words. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. And in case you think that is some private, personal, individual declaration of faith, in Jesus' time, at that time, that was political. That was a political statement. Because Caesar was Lord. And all other lords were subject to him. And Christians began to say, Jesus is Lord. And we will not even say Caesar is Lord. Jesus is Lord. We live our lives, according to Romans chapter 12, we live our lives to honor and please him. And in fact, our lives, our, our body, our mind, our soul are living sacrifices to God. We are to live as worshipful to God. In Matthew chapter 28, a passage called the Great Commission, I'm sure we're all familiar with it. <clears throat> the resurrected and soon to be ascended Jesus declares that all authority in heaven and on earth is his. All human authority is received from and ultimately accountable to God. At this point, you might be asking yourself, self, what about bad, corrupted, wicked authority? God is responsible even for that? On that question, it is important to know that just because God ordains the one in position does not mean he approves of that one's actions. God can ordain the position and the authority and not approve of that person's use of it. Just like everyone else, a person in position of governmental power will receive commendation for righteousness, justice, and truth without partiality. For in acting that way, righteously, with justice and truth, for in acting that way, he's properly using the authority that God has delegated to him and properly honoring those attributes in God. But that same person, should they act in unrighteousness, injustice, and deceitfulness, they will receive wrath, condemnation, and judgment for failing to use their delegated authority to honor God. So let's build on this a little bit more with point number two, the role. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Do you want to be unafraid of the one in authority? Well, do what is good and you will have its approval. For it is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid because it does not carry the sword for no reason. For it is God's servant, an avenger that brings wrath on the one who does wrong. So what is the role of government? What has God ordained for them to do? Well, governing authorities exist to maintain civil order, promote justice, and protect the well-being of society by bringing wrath on the wrongdoer and doing good 
to the righteous. I'll say that again. To maintain civil order, promote justice, and protect the well-being of society by bringing wrath on the wrongdoer and doing good to the righteous. In 1 Peter 2, we read something very similar to Romans chapter 13, our text this morning. 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning in verse 13, says, Submit to every human authority because of the Lord, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors as those sent out by him to punish those who do what is evil and to praise those who do what is good. You can see here that Peter addresses both the localized governments as well as the national imperial government. Punish those who do wrong, praise those who do good. This is their God-given duty and responsibility. In 2 Kings chapter 22, we read of a king named Josiah. And Josiah was king of Judah, and when he was recorded in their history books, here's what it said of him. Josiah, he did what was right in the Lord's sight and walked in all the ways of his ancestor David. He did not turn to the right or to the left. Commendation, praise. But in 1 Kings chapter 15, we also read of another king, Nadab, who did what was evil in the Lord's sight and walked in the ways of his father and the sin he had caused Israel to commit. Condemnation. One king commended, one king condemned for how they used their authority. The role that all governing authorities have is civil order, promote justice, protect well-being by punishing evildoers and rewarding the righteous or doing good. And their authority comes from who? God. That passage says they're servants of God. They're servants. A servant doesn't get to define his role. A servant doesn't get to say, oh, here's what I value or here's what I don't value. A servant is handed the job to do. It's delegated to them to do by their authority. Our governing authorities are delegated the authority to do good to the righteous and bring wrath on the evildoer. The third point is the reach the reach of governmental authority. Therefore, verse five of chapter 13 says, therefore you must submit, not only because of wrath, but also because of your conscience. So we've looked at where governing authority comes from and what role it is to play and we read a scripture like Romans 13, and the command to submit may immediately strike you. It sounds absolute, doesn't it? It sounds submit in all circumstances no matter what. It sounds as that no matter what they do, we are to submit to the state or the governing officials, and we must do it. But we believe that all scripture is inspired by God and therefore useful for teaching, correcting, rebuking and encouraging. 
And Romans 13 is scripture, and therefore it must be obeyed. However, however, the complete and total testimony of scripture creates a little problem. Because there is a long tradition in the Bible of civil disobedience. And not just civil disobedience that God permits. Civil disobedience that God approves of. The story of Moses, a baby who was supposed to be killed upon birth, but the midwives feared God and therefore let them live. And God blessed them and multiplied the babies who were born to the Israelites. Instead of seeing the command of Pharaoh as a command of God, they instead saw it as contrary to God and therefore they disregarded it for God's sake and God was pleased. Another one, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Rack, Shack, and Benny, for all my VeggieTale folk. <laughs> they refused to obey the king, Nebuchadnezzar. His edict was to bow down to a golden image of himself and worship it. And they refused, they would not. They stood out like a sore thumb, right? Three guys who refused to bow down. And they were thrown where? Fiery furnace. Supposed to be to their death, but but what did God do? He vindicated them. He vindicated them and stamped his approval on their disobedience. And later, Darius the king he established an edict that for 30 days, no one could make a petition to any God or man other than to Darius himself. Now, does Daniel say to himself, it's only 30 days, and I could pray in my own head, they're not gonna know, right? Right? Logic, reason, no. The text says that as soon As soon as Daniel heard of the edict written down, as soon as he did, where did he go? Went right to his room, right to his house, right to the second floor, opened the windows towards Jerusalem and prayed three times a day. And we know it was visible enough because later he gets in trouble, he's seen for it, right? They hear him. He's not praying quietly in his closet. He's defying the order. He was thrown into the lion's den for his disobedience and God showed his approval of Daniel's actions when he saved him from the mouth of the lion. In the New Testament, we find very similar things. In the book of Acts, chapter four, Peter and John, they're preaching the resurrection of Jesus Christ to the people in the temple courts on Solomon's colonnade. And those in authority, the chief priests, the Sadducees, those who made up the Sanhedrin, and even the the captain of the temple guard confronts John and Peter. And they arrest him and question him, and and then John and Peter preach to them. (laughs) And after discussing it among themselves in the Sanhedrin, they, they come to Peter and John and they say, all right, guys, just stop preaching this. Just stop preaching Jesus. 
And they had authority. They were governing authorities. They were rulers of the people. And they came and said, hey, just, just don't speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. And what was Peter and John's reply? Whether it is right in the sight of God for us to listen to you rather than God, you decide. For we are unable to stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. We're gonna keep going. You decide what you're gonna do. We're gonna keep speaking. And beyond the apostolic age, we have countless more examples we could cite. So where is the limit of these governing authorities? Where does their reach turn to overreach? When a civil authority forbids what God commands or commands what God forbids. When a civil authority forbids what God commands or commands what God forbids. They must be disobeyed. When the state violates the imago Dei, the image of God and the individual sovereignty of, of God's created people, his image bearers, as he has created them, they are to be resisted. When government uses forced coercion in regard to certain health care, I know this is gonna be a buzzword, right? We're coming off a scene, a, a little intense time of health care and government, right? <laughs> when the government uses forced coercion to force sterilization on people or force abortion or forced vaccinations and the like, it has overstepped its authority and it may be disobeyed. When the state uses its authority to compel speech, you cannot say this. You must say these words. It has overstepped its authority and may be disobeyed. Why? And here's the big kicker. Here's the really big one. Nothing else matters. <laughs> because we ultimately answer to a higher authority. They are servants. There is a master. They do his bidding. He rules. We Believers have pledged allegiance to one king eternal, Jesus, and him alone. When the state misuses its authority to compel us to violate God's commands or prohibits obedience to God's commands, God must be obeyed. Must be. And that leads me to our final Point, which is our response. As citizens of heaven, we will be good citizens here on earth. We will be. As peace-loving and joyful people, we will be a blessing to whatever nation we find ourselves residing in. That too is commanded. In all the areas that the state does not require us to disobey Jesus, we will be model citizens. 
not bringing shame or reproach on Christ due to our own bad behavior. Be it speed limits, stop signs, sales tax or income tax, building codes, hunting license, no noise ordinances, gun laws, curfews, and the thousands of other laws, we will obey. But we must not obey even those laws in order to ultimately honor the human authority. The Bible commands us, both in Romans and in in Peter, that we do it for whose sake? For the Lord's sake. Why? Because we will be subject to the Lord and the Lord only. We will not only obey to avoid wrath. How many guilty of obeying to avoid wrath, like speeding tickets and other things? But we are told to also obey to keep a clean conscience before the Lord. For we are committed to obey his delegating of his authority to those who are ordained for the good of all people. We are committed to it. We are commanded to it. I spent a lot of time on the negative. But do remember the scripture does say submit. Are there exceptions? Yes. Are we to be aware of them? Now more than ever. But when they are not asking us to disobey Christ, we will honor their request because we honor who is ultimately in charge. We do it all for the Lord's sake. His delegating of authority to those who are ordained for our good. One pastor put it this way, every time we say yes to any law, yes to obeying any law, It should be a yes to Jesus. That's who we're ultimately saying, yes, I will obey. We are never to have two masters. Never. In our submission and if necessary, in our disobedience, we must only be saying with our lives and with our voices, Jesus is Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your word that compels us, instructs us, and teaches us. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to honor, give honor where honor is due, that we would pay what is necessary. We would give what is in accord with being righteous. But Lord, we would also know that behind it all, that we are submitted to you, our King and our Lord. Lord, we know it will not be easy to live this way. We know that it, it will not be simple. We know that it will require wisdom and that we'll have to wait on the Lord and cry out to you. But Lord, we want to be those people, pilgrims and sojourners, strangers and exiles in this world because we belong to a world and a kingdom that is unshakable, built by God. One King, Jesus, and we pledge our allegiance to him alone.